Draft day is right around the corner with the hype for Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson being as strong as ever, especially after that pro pro day he just had. I'm Adam Wright with CJ Medeiros. You're listening to the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. As I said, we do have a great show planned for tonight. And as part of it, we are going to talk some Anthony Richardson and where he could possibly end up that, that could actually benefit him. Um, on the At the NFL level, we're also going to talk some Jaguars this offseason as we haven't really touched on them yet um, so far. Um, and joining us to touch on both of these topics, we have special guest and lifelong Jaguars fan Grant Flood. Grant, welcome back to the show. Why don't you introduce yourself? To some of our new listeners. Well, uh, thanks for having me again, Adam and CJ. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Grant Flood from Fletcher Sports Zone. That's my YouTube channel if you want to go subscribe there. But uh, very thankful to be on. You know, I was on previewing the Jaguars Chiefs playoff game. And then I came on to do a little Super Bowl preview, or at least gave my prediction. I'm pretty sure I had the Eagles winning. Oh, well, off to better predictions, right? But anyway... Hope you guys enjoy the broadcast, and uh, yeah, thanks, Adam and CJ, for having me on again. Absolutely, man. Um, it's always great having you on. I believe this is, what, the third time? Yeah, third. And you just started joining our show, you know, just a couple of months ago, so always great to have you on. You're a great sports mind, but um, we're going to jump right into it and start with Anthony Richardson, who just had his pro, pro day this week, so... He was slinging it all over the field, um, running throws, all different kind of stuff. He also hit the ceiling in uh, on one of his throws, and he's had a so he's had a lot of hype around him. And there's also a lot. Of, there's also a big crowd. Two of the three people here, actually myself included, uh, believe that he is kind of overhyped. But I kind of want to touch on spots where maybe he could actually work out. So CJ, our draft expert here, believes that uh, Anthony Richardson should have gone at least one more year in college, and that it would have that would have benefited him um, a lot better, and he probably would have been a really good draft prospect in the 2024 NFL draft. I agree with that, but he already registered for the draft. So what I'm so I look at this upcoming draft class. I look at where where teams are picking. I see two teams, like the Detroit Lions, like the Seattle Seahawks, who are drafting towards the front of this draft, who could pick a guy like him, and he could sit behind him for a year or so before he is all ready for the pro level. There have been quarterbacks who have done that before, namely being uh, Patrick Mahomes, one of the most recent and most most famous ones. So... I look at that. I mean, I look. I get it. You don't want to pick. You don't want to pick a quarterback um, this early, who isn't going to start for the first year or so. But I also, my argument against that would be, this team, both of these teams are getting better and they're getting more competitive. And the better they get, the later their draft picks are going to be, which means they may not be able to to reach the quarterbacks in the future in future drafts that that are actually worth picking they're not going to get early picks like this again and one and 
quarterback is one of their few needs left. So the Seattle, the Seahawks are uh, more than the, the Lions because I do believe that Jared Goff is making a case that he could be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. The Seahawks, you caught lightning in a bottle with Geno Smith. And he might play well for a couple of seasons, but you better start looking into drafting his replacement because you're not winning a Super Bowl with him. You're not. Don't don't commit to Geno Smith. Do not. I know you I know you have him for three years. Have have Anthony Richardson sit behind him for a couple of years. Then you ha- then you have and then you have Richardson start, and then he could be pro ready, and you have a roster around him that's ready that is ready to contend. I see a I see a path there. I see a path for Anthony Richardson where he could be a successful NFL quarterback if he was drafted by one of those two teams, and both of them should be within reach to grab him. There's my argument, but I don't know what you guys thought. Grant, I'll let you go. All right. Uh, so pretty much the whole Anthony Richard thing is right because I do watch a lot of Florida Gators games, and I kind of sense that at the beginning of last year it was probably going to be uh, early third, late second round draft projection, I would have said, if he was going to declare. And then at the end of the year, I notice, hey, he's going to probably be picked in the top ten and – maybe even the top five now as he just recently passed Will Levis. And I look to myself and say, well, where did this come from? He had a lot of 400-yard performances. He's a great mobility, and he has a strong arm. But my thing is, is when he plays in actual games against top competition, he struggles. Case in point, there was a couple of cases. First and foremost against Tennessee. This was a game I was expecting a lot out of Anthony Richardson. Uh, he could not outduel head and hooker. He played very poorly for the second and third quarter of those games. Yes, he had 400 yards and four total touchdowns, but he threw a crucial interception near the end of the first half, and he struggled against that pass rush. And then, again, you take a look at LSU's performance. Only a buck 85, a touchdown. The Gators lost what was should have been a winnable game. And that pretty much took them out of ranked contention for the rest of the year. So Anthony Richardson, he's not a terrible player at all. And I definitely think if you are a team like Seattle, Detroit, you'd be interested. But my whole thing is, if you're going to draft a quarterback that high, why not just kind of play him right away? Let him figure out the kinks in the pro level first. And then, you know, year two, year three, you see what the kid can really do. But also, it makes sense to develop a quarterback, have him sit behind a very decent veteran like a Jared Goff or a Geno Smith. And I see their side of the point. But uh, I think if Richardson should go anywhere, I think he's going to fall to the Raiders. And the Raiders pick him up after Jimmy, or they pick him up. They let him sit behind Garoppolo. And then once Garoppolo's contract expires, Richardson becomes the starting quarterback for the black and silver. I could see that being a potential option, but overall, I just think Richardson, if he improved a lot in in in-game awareness, but then there's other cases where in week one against Utah, he really played well, won the Gators that game, came in the fourth quarter, got the game-winning drive touchdown. He's shown his flashes. I think he's more of a late first-round pick than an early first-round pick now, um, another team I could see be interesting in him. I would say my top three goes 
Raiders one, Falcons two, Colts three. Uh, and definitely the Colts is going to be rumored with uh, obviously the Cardinals expecting to not take a quarterback. Why would they move on from Kyler? So I think you're going to have Stroud going one to Carolina, Young going two to Houston, and then maybe the Colts go four with Richardson. But again, I think fourth overall, it's a little bit of stretch, but we'll see. We'll toss it over to CJ. What do you think? Anthony Richardson. I'll start with the positives because I am nothing if not fair. I will admit Anthony Richardson far and away has the highest ceiling in this class. He's got the speed. He's got the arm. He's got all the things you can't coach, you know, like arm strength, mobility, just physicality, everything you want. You know, even like size, you know, he's built like Cam Newton. But uh, you know what? Hold on, I'll keep going. Uh, he, like I said, he's got a lot of potential. And uh, that's pretty much that. Yeah, that, that's uh, screw it. That's as nice as I'm going to be. He's way oh, too no. raw. You seem so uncomfortable with saying all those positives. <laughs> you no, no, met, no, you just felt like a fish out of water. More, but the only positive thing that I can say is that he has the highest upside. But coupled with that, he has the lowest floor. And we all know I'm not a Will Levis fan either, but I would take Will Levis over him just because, you know, Will Levis at least comes from a pro-style offense. Just Richardson's style of play is so alien to the NFL. Furthermore, a Grant touched on this, his decision-making, oh my God! And it's not even that he's a bad decision-maker, it's just... One of the things that he struggles most with is reading defenses. And if you can't read college defense, then I don't know how you're going to read a disguised NFL defense. And he doesn't like decipher information as quickly as you'd want. His, he can be easily fooled in pre-snap recognition. And when you couple that with his mechanics, I've been seeing a lot of reports about his mechanics. Whenever he his throwing motion is so janky when he's as only when he's under pressure though, and it seems like he never throws like the same ball twice because his mechanics change from play to play. Furthermore, he has a quick release. You know, as soon as somebody goes after him, he can just just get rid of the ball, and I respect that. But on the flip side, and Grant. Tell me if I'm wrong. He does kind of have an issue with staring down his number one option, does he not? Yeah. So like when he sees his option, he's just going to stare that down. You can get away with that in college. But in the NFL, no, you can't. And he he throws off his back foot a bit too much. Once again, these are things that can be coached out. His accuracy. I would. He's got a top five arm. He's got the best arm, I would argue, in this class. But I would argue he does not have top 10 accuracy. He, his completion percentage, I don't even think, was a 60%. And it's just that he misses open receivers via overthrows. And his throwing mechanics, like I mentioned, uh, just aren't consistent. And like I said, these are things that can be coached out of him. But his arm is like watching a five-year-old trying to handle a fire hose. And like I said, I would be a lot nicer 
if he just stayed another year. Because let me tell you something. You stay another year in Florida and you hone your skills, oh, my God, you are going to be locked and loaded for the league. But I don't know. We also have to look at this way, and this is where I get where you're coming from, and I do agree that accuracy is a massive issue with Richardson, but Richardson realized that his athleticism is the reason why he jumped so high throughout the combine, throughout his pro day to begin with. He's thinking, oh, now I have the potential to be a top five pick. I'm cashing in on that now. Why am I going to risk playing my senior year of college, suffer a major major injury, and then his – and then his draft stock falls. First of all, isn't it his junior year, though? Oh, it might be just his junior. Because I thought he was like a red shirt, whatever. So, yeah. And so here's another thing. Sure, you could come out now, but it's going to hurt you in the long run if you come out raw and you get exposed for being woefully underprepared. And another thing about Anthony Richardson, oh, did he light up at his pro day? Absolutely. You want to know who else did? Zach Wilson. Thank you. See, Adam knows. Adam gets it. No, I, I remember a lot of the Zach Wilson hype, too. Even the Trey Lance hype. I, I No, I, I was never a fan of Lance, nor was I a fan of Wilson back then. No, I, I wasn't a fan of Never's Wilson. Everyone can back me up. When he went to the Jets, I, I kind of sensed that, you know, mm-hmm. that career wasn't going to go so well. And look at it now, yeah. two years in, he's already a QB2. Whether the Jets get Aaron Rodgers or not, I, he's going to be the QB2. Robert Sala confirmed that earlier this week. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. But my thing is with Anthony Richardson, there is hope. Now, here's what I'm considering. I I know this is a long shot, but hear me out. I would not. So I think if the Indianapolis Colts are smart, whether they want Richardson or whether they want Levis, you need to trade up with the Arizona Cardinals, who are number three. And I know what you're thinking, but CJ, you say, the Cardinals aren't going to draft a quarterback. I'm like, yeah, but mark my words. There could be a team that leapfrogs you. A team further back that will trade with Arizona and will jump right over you to grab a quarterback. You cannot let that happen. Now, teams I think could trade up. Honestly, I wouldn't. Hear me out. I wouldn't hate it if the Vikings did it. Because Kirk Cousins on the last year of his deal – You've got arguably the best receiver in the league at Justin Jefferson. You've got a top five tight end in TJ Hawkinson. It would not be a bad idea to have Anthony Richardson learn under Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins for a year, and then you send him out. I'm just saying that I think would be a good fit. Hmm. That is an interesting one. I think, I think it would certainly be a fit. Mm-hmm. So, also, the Raiders shouldn't draft the quarterback. He gave Jimmy G a three-year deal. That's the question. Also, he's not entering the final year of his contract. He's a free agent in um, – wait a second. Jesus, this is weird. Uh, yeah, so he is an unrestricted free agent in – he's just getting paid throughout 2027. So the, the Vikings are going yeah. to wind up paying him a lot. Yeah, it's, um, it's those phantom years, you know? Yeah. Just just to, we in New England know about phantom years. They screwed us over just to create cap space mm-hmm. in the in the short run. Um the only problem with the Vikings real quick is that their they their first round pick is pretty is pretty low, don't you think? What it's going to be tough for them to to it's going to be tough for them to trade all the way up there to get to number 3. That's why I, I agree. That's they should. They're just going to nibble away if Levis is still there if 
or maybe they draft a quarterback yeah. in the second or third round. I, I think that's what Minnesota is doing. It makes sense that someone trades with the Cardinals, but I just don't see the Vikings doing that. All right. But my Listen, point still stands. Yeah. Whether it's the Vikings stand. or not, the Colts need to trade up to number three because I think if they don't, another team will leapfrog them, and that is not something you want. Okay. But my point stands. I believe that Anthony Richardson, since he's already we – can't, we can't talk about what he should have done and what he shouldn't have done uh, because he's, he's registered for the draft. He's already going to be in the NFL for the 2023 NFL season. So what he should what what a team should do is a team like the Lions or Seahawks, a team that is already competitive now and already has a, a veteran quarterback who you could characterize as a bridge guy. Um he learns under. You tr- you draft one of, and then you draft Anthony Richardson in the meantime. Because I don't think I don't think the Detroit Lions or the Seattle Seahawks are going to be drafting very uh this high again. At least not in the foreseeable future. So what are you going to do? Are you going to stay this competitive where you're just kind of a fringe playoff team? You're winning maybe a playoff game or so with Geno Smith. You're winning a playoff game or so with Jared Goff. No. Draft up here while you have while you have the time. Draft up there with Anthony Richardson or Le- Will Levis. Have them have them learn under the Geno Smith or Jared Goff. And then once he's ready, he's ready for game action. Because you're getting professional, you're getting professional coaching for one to two years, which is good. That's something that they need. They have the abilities, but they need the coaching. They need to be developed. If they're thrown out in the deep end with no floaties on the Indianapolis Colts, that's going to you're going to ruin the kid. So that's my argument there. And I kind of like I kind of like the the Raiders as well. Um, because because they have Jimmy Garoppolo, so he would be sitting behind him as well. So you could kind of you can kind of lump the the Vegas Raiders in with both other te- of the other teams. I think the team that I think it would make the least sense is the Lions, just because I think they have something with Jared Goff. They have a potential Super Bowl winning QB. Jimmy Garoppolo is not doing that. He's gotten them there, but he was kind of that was a great roster by the uh, 49ers. And it's kind of the same way with uh, Geno Smith. He's had some really good coaching. He's in the right place at the right time with some really good uh, with some really good talent. Uh, I mean, if you threw in if you threw Geno Smith in with the offensive line that uh, Russell Wilson had to work with, we would not be seeing him put up these numbers. I'm just saying. So I think this is that I think a team like that is a very good environment for an Anthony Richardson to learn in. So I think that's the path for him to be a successful NFL quarterback where he has some time to develop, uh, you know, in training camps, uh, OTAs, all that stuff. Preseason, he gets to develop in practices with pro-level coaching. Um, But I do want to move on here. And we are going to get to Grant Flood's guest segment where he's going to get to talk his Jaguars. So as we had on our last guest with Chris Hitu, he got to talk his New England Patriots and give kind of a grade for that their offseason. Grant's going to talk the, uh, his offseason. That's next. This is the Fumble Rooski Podcast.
This is the Fumble Rooski podcast by Power Radiate and Secret Weapon Consulting. Adam Wright, CJ Medeiros, special guest Grant Flood. So we welcome you to the guest segment portion of our show, where uh, sponsored by Secret Weapon Consulting for business plans, secret secret shoppers, bar spotting, server and manager training, and so much more. Visit www.secretweaponconsulting.com. So for our guest segment, we have Grant Flood, who's going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and their offseason. Grant, what do you got? All right. So the offseason, you know, we, we made all our moves last offseason. We made our move by acquiring Calvin Ridley at the deadline. And we did the best thing possible, which was franchise tag Evan Ingram. It's not enough. It's not enough. You have waited five years to build and contend, and you realize, okay, the other three teams in the AFC South are rebuilding. And that's great. You're most likely going to win the division barring a collapse. But my question is, is our defense enough to win a championship? The offense, without a question. Christian Kirk, another year in the system. Zay Jones, another year in the system. Hopefully we can get a long-term deal with Devin Ingram. Um, Walker, uh, Little playing right tackle, Cam Robinson returning from injury, ETN another year in the system. It's great. But I don't know if our defense is going to be enough to win us a championship. Now, we did release Shaquille Griffin, and that's good because that gave us a lot of salary cap. But I think the Jaguars are getting a little bit too comfortable with the players they've already had. If that makes sense, we've re-signed Adam Gotsis to a two-year contract, which he's not an awful right end for us. The Jaguars did lose Arden Key. Uh, he went to division rival Tennessee, so it, I think it does make sense that I bring back Gotsis. But was he the best guy available? Are you just kind of re-signing him because he was already with the team? I'm not sure. We continue to build on the D-line. They signed right tack or excuse me, defensive tackle Henry Modix from the Giants and right end Michael Dodgeby from the Cardinals. Uh, so you cleared up salary cap and you're getting borderline practice squad players. No disrespect, but they have had very limited roles with their respective teams. The only thing, and as I mentioned, our offense is fine, but the only thing they did that I was really like, yes, I'm glad they did that, was bring in Dearness Johnson. Florida-born, went to college in South Florida. It makes sense that we bring him back. It's a homecoming. He can battle it out with Jermichael Hasty for the second string running back spot. I thought Johnson... When uh, I think it was when Kareem Hunt got injured in 2021, he impressed me a lot when he had that three, four game stretch where he had like three, 400 rushing yards. He impressed me. I'm fine with that. But it comes down to we let a lot of free agents walk. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, again, goes to division rival Tennessee for only $5 million. That is a player Jaguar should have scooped up. Everyone's thinking, oh, the Jaguars bringing Calais Campbell. For a workout, we the reunion is here. The mayor of Saxonville is coming back. And then he signs with the Falcons out of nowhere. And, again, I just wish the Jaguars wouldn't be so complacent. They built such a good offense, and they can score points at will. But 
Do we want to let our offense out to dry when the defense isn't really producing that well? Now, the defense isn't obviously awful. I think Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams, that's a great corner core. The defensive line, as we as I mentioned, we built on that. It could be better, but we've at least built on that. I do think the Jaguars could still end up getting unique Ngakwe, so at least maybe they'll get one return out of it. The linebacking core is obviously set, um, but... I mean, I just wish they would sign. They're signing depth players, but I wish they would sign better depth players is what I'm getting at. And I really wouldn't mind another corner. Marcus Peters is still out there. I would like Marcus Peters. I know he's injury prone. I'm willing to pay him, you know, anything within probably 6 to $10 million for a one-year contract. I'm willing to do that if that means we can go deeper in the playoff run. Because you look at Jacksonville right now. I see them as the fifth-best team in the AFC. I don't think they can beat Kansas City. I don't think they can beat Cincinnati. And in the AFC East, Bills and Dolphins, they've gotten better. Jaguars have kind of stayed the same. Uh, So right now I would have the Jaguars finishing at around 10 or 11 wins. But, you know, it's gotten to that point where it's like, okay, we could be a good regular season team, but how are we going to produce in the playoffs? And – you know, I kind of don't want to lose in the divisional round every year. You know, if we have the salary cap and we can make this team better, I don't see why we shouldn't. So that's pretty much my take on that. Yeah, I get it. The Jaguars, they have needed to spend a lot of money, nor should they. But I do wish they would get a little bit better at the free agents that they've been getting. Maybe we target corner in the draft, and I'm rambling for nothing. We'll see what happens. I would like to revisit the Jaguars once the draft is over so I can really see what they can do, what other last pickups they can make. But right now, as far as the offense is confirmed, I'm not worried one bit. If Lawrence can control his turnovers, which we saw he can, quick adjustments during halftime in that wildcard game against the Chargers, it shows that he can be an elite quarterback. I, I really want to see this defense step up and keep the offense in games where they have a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the defense, I think, does need some attention. Where Mm -hmm. I'm kind of – where I'm a little worried is that right tackle spot. You lose Jawan Taylor, and that's a part of a tackle duo, which was one of the better ones in all of football. When you have Cam Robinson on one side and then Jawan Taylor on the other – that's lethal. And it was now very it's gone. Good. And yeah, so you got Walker Little, but can he produce? Can he? I'm willing to give him a shot. He was a draft pick. We drafted him, I think, in 2021. He played well when Cam Robinson got injured. I think if you, I mean, Juwan Taylor got $80 million. Not even, in my opinion. I think he was worth maybe yeah, somewhere not around by 50. I think Kansas City massively overpaid for him, if I'm being honest. But he's still a solid player, and he'll still do well for Kansas City. I think if you're Jaxo's case, see what tackles are available in the draft. That's what I would go. I would target tackle in the draft if I'm Jacksonville in the first or second round. I do think Walker Little would be fine if we switched him over from left to right, but – I agree with you also, Adam. If you can improve, improve. And so that's where I'm saying, all right, we draft the tackle, that's fine. He'll be right tackle. Him and Walker Little can fight it out. Uh, if 
draft goes by and you draft a tackle, but it was late fourth, fifth round, just take a glance at free agency. If you think no better options are available, then yeah, have Walker Little be the starting right tackle for a year. Try a letter experiment. But I do agree losing Taylor was a blow. And uh, as I mentioned, I also wouldn't mind getting someone like Nagakwe because like losing Arden Key, that's not necessarily a huge blow, just like kind of Juwan Taylor's case. But again, you want to, you don't really want to lose that same production you were getting. And so that's why I hope the Jaguars do get another defensive end as well as potentially a tackle down the road. Yeah. And they do have a pick at number 24. So they could use that whichever way they would like. They could go tackle for whoever winds up being left. They could also go defense. And you mentioned that cornerback duo. Um, I mean, like they, yeah. So they let, so they let that other guy go, which is fine, but do something to replace him. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing where I'm saying where you had guys like, I mean, even um, Carl Joseph who got signed yesterday by the Steelers. It's like, why are you letting all these decent, like defensive, uh, defensive backs walk when you know it's clearly an issue? They did resign Trey Herndon, and I get that, but Trey Herndon's not great. He's very replaceable. Uh, a lot of these guys in free agency could definitely, I think, replace him within a couple of preseason games. If I'm being brutally honest, so again, I mean, Williams and Campbell, it's such a great one too, but it's just after those two corners. It falls. You don't need safeties. Andrew Sisko and Rashawn Jenkins, that is a great safety duo. All you really need is just you can keep Herndon as a fourth string corner. That's fine. But really, I think if you just get one more slot corner, you're golden. I honestly think you don't touch another thing on this Jaguars team after the draft. You go corner and you go tackle your first two picks. I'm probably satisfied. Yeah, so I mean, I I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I think I, I guess I'm I guess I'm skeptical mainly because the, they the Jaguars didn't really do much to, and you you would agree with me on this. The Jaguars didn't really do much to improve. In yep. fact, they look they, a little worse they, than they did that going into the offseason. I mean, I get like they're going to have so they got they got Calvin Ridley reinstated. That's probably the best thing to happen to them this offseason. And bringing back to Ernest Johnson is a very, very underrated move. You don't want your uh, bell cow back, Travis Etienne, to get hurt. So Dearness Johnson take, takes away some of that pressure. We've seen him step in in relief of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and do very well. So to have him behind, behind uh, Travis Etienne is very reassuring. So, I mean, it, like they have, a, they have a lot of good things going. It's just I feel like they could have done more. They could have improved, and they could have brought put themselves not fifth in the AFC, more like top three, because you have a quarterback who is the NFL's next golden boy. I completely agree with you. And again, I guess it's, at this point, it is a wait-and-see approach. We did everything we could before the draft, get really reinstated, franchise tag Ingram. That was the main piece for the offense, defense. I thought, honestly, the number one goal was to bring back Clays Campbell. And they've already failed to do that. So right now, I don't know. I'm willing to take a look at the draft picks they select and go from there before I go any further because I want to harp too bad. But I'm just saying, Trent Baalke, he did this before with San Francisco. He had a great playoff team. He got a little lazy. He let some players walk. He let the wrong players stick around. And 
Look what happened two years later, or excuse me, three years later, you were playing the Seahawks in the FC Championship, and then you were drafting number two overall in the draft. So it can show Valky has a history of, you know, does he have the control to keep this team around? I, I hope he does. He, I, I wanted Balky fired after when Urban Meyer got fired, if I'm being brutally honest. But he did the right thing. He brought in Doug Peterson. He's made the right draft picks so far. And just got to hope he makes the right draft picks again. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been it's been mostly good things besides Trayvon Walker going number one. I mean, come on, man. That's why this that was, man right here. That was ridiculous. Floyd saving the draft for the team. It's crazy how we draft Walker number one. We draft Lloyd at, what was it, 24, 25? And Lloyd is a significantly better linebacker. It's crazy how that works. Imagine if we had Saucer Hutchinson. We drafted those two with that number one pick. Brent, completely different story right now, but what are you going to do? Would you have rather had Hutchinson or Sauce? Back then, Hutchinson, now Sauce. I'm not going to lie, when I was watching the draft live, I was pretty bummed we didn't draft Hutchinson. I was pretty bummed. I'm like, Trayvon Walker, he's not obviously terrible, but, I mean, if our goal is to draft Devin Lloyd later in the round anyway, like, you're really going to get two linebackers? Like, eh. Yeah, man, and we kind of saw it coming. So it, it, we we kind of saw it coming. We saw for it our, coming. For our ex- it's not what for, I would have done. For our official mock draft, we were we put Trayvon Walker going number one, but we put an emphasis on saying they should not take this guy. I mean, he's a good, solid late first round guy, and he might pan out. He could, but Aiden Hutchinson was more. Aiden Hutchinson was more deserving of the number one pick. I think Kayvon mm-hmm. Thibodeau is more deserving of the number one draft choice. Yeah, I like Kayvon Thibodeau a lot in Oregon. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But I think uh, I think we're about – it's about all the content for this show, but do you guys have any other, any other thoughts before we end? Nope. No, I just want to thank you guys for having me on again. A lot of fun. I certainly hope I can uh, hopefully make one more appearance before the end of the semester. Sounds good, guys? Absolutely, man. Always, nice. always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks a lot, Grant. Um, I'll give you a chance to plug some of your uh, YouTube channels and Instagram, uh, in, uh, Instagram social media spots. I got you. All right, sounds good. So again, my YouTube channel is Fluster Sports Zone Two. I make a lot of sports content on there. Uh, actually, perfect timing. One o'clock Sunday. I will be broadcasting the Massachusetts Pirates game. Play-by-play broadcast for indoor football will be on my channel on Sunday. Excited to do that. I went to my first game last week, and I figured, well, since I live stream the games on YouTube, I might as well take advantage and commentate one, right? So that'll be on my channel. And then my Instagram is Grant Floodster. Uh, and then my Twitter, I think, is Grant Floodsters with an S if you want to follow me on any other social medias. But Yep, just right now, just living the college life, trying to post whenever I can on YouTube, trying to get as much opportunities to come back on Fumble Rooski or any other podcasts. So, absolutely, man. All right, sounds good. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. 
Thank you for listening to us. We have new episodes out on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We also have all our episodes available on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Also, be sure to follow our Instagram at FumbleRooski underscore podcast to keep up with our podcast and latest coverage on the NFL. Otherwise, we'll see you next week over and out.